0: Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen.
1: The real look. Trending news.
0: G'day. Today's Wednesday, January 10th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm actually here with special guest Tracy Ford, team leader for Keller Williams Realty Bothell in Bothell, Washington. G'day, Trace. How are you?
1: Good day, mate. I'm doing good, Bruce. How are you?
0: <laughs> oh, I guess we can change there. the name now that Chase is gone. We'll just call it the Aussie one, the Aussie oh, podcast. Goes. Thank you for being here today and filling in for Chase, who's on vacation. This is the news you need to know. Employers kept a brisk hiring pace in December, and that was exceeding economists' expectations by 43,000 jobs. In fact, jobs increased by 216,000 in December, and that's up from 173 in November. Now, that's all according to data released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now, economists were expecting an addition of only 170,000 jobs. So, with December's numbers in, a total of 2.7 million jobs were added to the U.S. economy in 2023. Now, that's an average monthly gain of 225000 according to the BLS. And that's less than the $4.8 increase of 2022. As I share that information with you, Tracy, what do you think? What's going through your mind?
1: Where are these people coming from? That's what I <laughs> want to know. They're creating the jobs. But where were they last month? Where were they last year? You know, are they the college grads? Who, who's coming into the marketplace?
0: Well, you know, it is interesting because basically the unemployment rate is unchanged, right? It came in at 3.7%. And our listeners need to understand that, you know, there are three key numbers that the Fed is looking at in order to determine whether or not the economy is in good shape. And those three numbers are GDP, which is gross domestic product. Uh, CPI, which is Mm -hmm. consumer price index or the inflation rate. And the third one is the unemployment numbers. And by the way, the goal here is to get to 4% unemployment or better at this level. Basically, anybody who wants a job, Tracy has a job, right? You know, the fact that the Fed has been working so hard to get inflation down by raising the rates. And by the way, the goal of raising those rates is simply to slow the economy. And yet with these jobs numbers, it's, it's saying that it's not really working.
1: Right. It's a tug of war with these three numbers that they're trying to balance our government, right, to make sure that we don't go too fast. The CPI isn't raising the numbers too high, too fast. And, and by the way, back to the GDP. Can we talk about that for a second, Bruce? The GDP <laughs> right now, what I understand, and you can help me because you are the man with the news. I know our consumers haven't slowed their spending so much. In fact, they're leaning on their credit cards right now. Absolutely. And to me, I think there's going to be a wake up call where they wake up one day and go, wait a minute, I've got how many thousands of dollars on my credit card and I can't pay them off this month? What's happening? So I think that's going to be a wake up call.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. So it is interesting, right? And as you mentioned with GDP, it, it was up 4.6% in the third quarter. I mean, that is. An economy that's on fire. So even so, we've got this conflicting news. By the way, that 225,000 average job creation monthly is still at a higher pace than it was prior to the pandemic. So again, really fascinating times, fascinating information. Job gains occurred mainly in government, which I guess, you know, the government keeps spending money, healthcare, social assistance and construction, which of course, affects us. And while transportation and warehousing posted fewer jobs, in fact, construction employment continued to trend up with the sector adding 17,000 jobs in the last month of 2023. Construction added an average of 16,000 jobs per month throughout the year, which was slightly less than the 2022 average of 22,000. Interesting. It's good to see that the builders are hiring because we need them certainly to build more inventory for our housing stock. 100%.
1: But what is that story telling you, Bruce? Because when I hear these numbers, I, of course, start to think about what that means. I'm looking at where we live here in the Seattle area. And where the builders are building, what they're building is very interesting. And for these numbers to be going up at this rate, tell me the story it's telling you.
0: Well, I think that uh, what we're seeing is that the labor market is actually hanging in there pretty well, even with the increase in the uh, interest rates. And again, it gives the Fed a little more opportunity to continue to focus on inflation because one of the things that would cause them to slow down on their activity around that would be to see this job market really soften at at a faster rate than it already has. In my mind, Tracy, I think it means that uh, we're going to see rates come down at a much slower pace than a lot of people think. It's not going to happen in the first quarter of this year, that's for sure.
1: Right. They've got to hold on to that a little bit longer than they expected.
0: The National Association of Realtors saw its membership numbers drop by 1.11% during the last month of the year as 17,489 former members let their membership lapse. Now, year over year, from December 31 of 2022 through the end of 23, NAR lost 26,367 members, and that's a 1.67% annual decline. And that's according to NAR's monthly membership report. When you hear these numbers starting to drop, are you surprised by that,
1: Tracy? No surprise at all. I mean, these lawsuits have prompted minds to shift in regards to what the values are in regards to that organization. For the big, some of the big companies to let their agents know that they do not have to be a part of this, Redfin. Let's, you know, talk about that. Right here in the Pacific Northwest, there's 705 Redfin agents today. Is that counting for the 2200 they lost? No. So there's a lot of other people that are jumping on that bandwagon and saying, yeah, not so much. I'm not going to do it this time.
0: Well, you know, that's an interesting point because Washington state posted the largest yearly percentage decline with NAR membership within the state dropping 9.5 percent. As you mentioned, right, Redfin was very vocal about uh, them not requiring their agents to be part of the association of realtors, whether at the national, state, and local level. And then, of course, as you mentioned, right, the lawsuit, the Sitzer Burnett case, and the settlement that Anywhere and Remax have offered, they're not requiring any of their agents and brokers to be members of the associations as well. Now, what's unique, I think, though, is in the state of Washington, The largest MLS, which is Northwest MLS, is not association-owned, like in many, many other parts of the country, right? So in many parts of the country, if you want access to the MLS, you have to be a member.
1: Yeah, there is a rule around this, though, Bruce, that I think is going to be interesting for our brokerages. They say that if your company is a member, the rest of your agents must be. There's no open door for an agent in a company who isn't a member can do that on their own. So with what you just said about Redfin, I mean, they are or they aren't. So Well, but it,
0: but it is local, right? So for example, in the Seattle market where they're not required, they don't have to be. But if right. they're in another market like Spokane, for example, where it is an association owned MLS, then they would have to be. I see what you're saying. I think that NAR is going to have to grapple with this, to be honest with you. We're going to see a, a lot of change. But, you know, I, as much as those headlines, right, have been grabbing a lot of attention of late, I think the real reason is, is that we're starting to see people get out of the business because it's getting harder, right? There's fewer transactions being done. The market has slowed down.
1: I'm smiling. Can you tell? <laughs> selfishly, right? Right it's uh, opportunity time for a lot of agents that know how to shift in these types of markets. Yeah. So numbers like this are interesting to learn about, but the real interpretation is what does that mean to you, Mr. And Mrs. Agent? And what are you going to do about those numbers in what you do with your activities? So when people are getting out of the business I pulled up some numbers, Bruce, right here in our local MLS. Again, it's a big one. There was 4,848 closed units last month in one month. So you double that because there's two sides to every deal. And that's 9,696 units were closed. And I tell our agents, I say, where were your opportunities in those numbers? So I think when the news is bringing us all these doom and gloom things about the market shifting and being different. I want to remind our people and our agents out there staying in the business, not leaving the business, that there's opportunity. It's just a matter of how you're going to go get it.
0: So yeah, I love that. And, and I think one of the challenges with that is that we've been on 12 years of nothing but higher to the right, right? It's been a great market. There's a lot of people who've only been in a great market. So there's new skill set. I really appreciate that message, Tracy, because I think people need to understand that what got them to where they are today is not going to get them there
1: tomorrow. And I don't care how long you've been in the business. You and I both have been in this, this business a long time and seen a lot of shifts. The shift needs to be in your behavior in regards to what's going on in this market. And those people that do understand that are the ones that thrive.
0: I'm glad you used the word shift, right? The founder of our company, Gary Keller, wrote a book called Shift, which was how to thrive in a shifting market. What you just said is absolutely true. People have to learn the skills. And I don't care if you've been through it or not before. You're going to have to sharpen those tools yet again. And the shift is here. By the way, uh, Tracy, back in May, NAR announced that it would be indexing membership dues with inflation. So not only are we seeing people getting out of the business because there's a lack of business, but it's going to be interesting to see as as those rates increase, if that pushes people out as well. Because again, we're being impacted by the law of equilibrium and the law of equilibrium says as commission dollars rise, so do the number of agents. As commission dollars drop, so do the number of agents. The difference is there's always a lag between when those commission dollars go up or down and when agents get in and out of the business. That leads us into our third story today regarding the economic outlook for 2024. What's in store for us? I mean, there's so much news out there. There's so many people commenting on the economy. Hey, here I am. Hi, my name's Bruce.
1: Yeah, I'm on the
0: real look. Again, I think we need to be smart in terms of what information we're taking in and then what are we going to do with that? So right now, there are several camps right, with regards to what the expectation is around the economy in 2024. And by the way, a lot of these predictions are coming from very learned people, right? These economists. But what's fascinating is none of them are really, they're not all in sync in terms of what they believe that'll be happening. Here's one of the things that we talk about as an industry, right? And that is, oh, we need to get interest rates back down. Well, of course, that's all based on perspective, right? Right. So for a lot of people in the market today, the idea that we've got rates in the sevens, Is outrageously high, right? Because we had historic low interest rates down in 3% range and even less in some instances. But I got to tell you, Tracy, when I moved to the United States back in 1990, I sold my house in Australia and I was paying an 18.5% mortgage rate, came over here. And at that time, the rates were 10%. I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So cheap in the US.
1: Yeah perspective. I mean, it's the same thing. I know my parents sold their house when I was going to college and they were in the teens, bought their next house in the teens. Again, I was just having the conversation with one of our agents today. A lot of these agents, Bruce, I mean, let's look at the demographic of the people that are coming into our business. A lot of them haven't experienced that ever. They don't even know what the conversation is around a higher interest rate what i'm seeing happening too is as the rates went up all of a sudden we had consumers that were like oh i can't live downtown bellevue i have to move to such and such and so what they're doing is they're taking their their dollars that they can't afford because people buy houses regardless of what the news is doing what the economy is doing what the world is doing we need to buy and sell houses and what they're doing is they're going where they can afford them and that might not mean a short commute i just know that higher interest rates if you want to talk about the news this podcast bruce Mm -hmm. i want to bring in the news yes but the emotions are what are making our people move life things make people move if you agents out there can stay focused with the news being loud, and being able to interpret it like Bruce is helping Bruce and Chase are helping you do. But know that our business is because people have life events, because people have needs, they need a roof over their head, they have family members that are passing away. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen that make us move in this market. So regardless of what those interest rates are going to do, we're still going to have to have things happening. So I don't know how easy it is, though, Bruce, to let these people understand that a little bit of a higher tick in the interest rate isn't going to stop people. Don't be scared.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I I think we've got to be careful what you wish for, right? If you ask yourself the question, what would cause a big drop in interest rates? Why would the interest rates, mortgage rates come down dramatically?
1: Because the other numbers are indicating it that they need to, because they're trying to, again, play that tug of war game and balance things out in our economy.
0: So basically, we would have to go into recession Mm -hmm. in order to see a dramatic drop in the rates, right? Because it's a recession where the economy slows down. And oh, by the way, we try and stimulate that. How do we do that? We lower rates so people will get out and spend. So, yeah, I think we've got to be careful. What's interesting too, right? Is it's all about comparing. 2023 was the slowest year for existing home sales since 2008. And actually we haven't got the final numbers yet. It could actually have been the, the slowest year for sales since 1995. Wow. Now, by the way, 2022, we hit a record in terms of the number of realtors that were members of the association right? So 1.58 million realtors. So again, we had one of the lowest years on record for home sales, and we had one of the highest years on record for the number of people in the business. Well, just do the math.
1: I'm taking it back to the people. I asked in a meeting of about 40 people the other day, raise your hand if you're having the best year of your life and half the room raised their hand. The other half, what do you think the messaging is there? It's like, again, when the messaging is all this terrible stuff, and the consumers only know that, you've got to pull out of it yourself to bring everybody along with you. But again, it's making things happen. I know the economy is making people bury their head in the sand. But instead, those people are dropping out of the business. You, you said it earlier. And we've got numbers to show that there's business what can you do? What can we do right now to learn how to take harness on that? What does it look like?
0: I agree. That's the question we should all be asking. And in my mind, you prepare for the worst and you hope for the best. You know, it's pretty fascinating. The Mortgage Bankers Association and Fannie Mae both came out with their predictions for 2024, and they're predicting rates to drop fairly dramatically. In fact, Mortgage Bankers Association believes by Q4 of next year, we'll be down around five and a half percent. Fannie Mae is not quite as optimistic. They believe we'll get down to about 6.1 percent. That 0.6 is, percent is a big differential. But I think what's also really interesting is that different organizations are predicting different results. So, for example, Chase's favorite economist, Lawrence Yun from Uh uh, NAR, he is predicting that existing home sales will grow by 13.5% this year, right? Up to 4.7 million. That's a pretty optimistic view, I think. We'll have to see who of all of these economists actually does get this right, because they run the gamut.
1: Having this conversation a year from now, what's it going to look like? (laughs) The emperor has no clothes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We don't know what will bring. What we do know is we're part of a global economy, right? Right. So not only are we dealing with our own issues, right? We've got a really dysfunctional government, and this is not a political statement. It's just that we, right. I don't care which party you support. That none of them are getting it done, right? So you've got a dysfunctional government who every month it's a it's a mad fire sale, right, to go and raise the spending limit so that they can yeah. keep the government open. But now you know we've got uh, multiple wars going on globally, which have the ability to impact our economy, not just on the money that we're spending and giving to Ukraine and to Israel, but also, you know, the impact to oil and food production. Are we able to avoid a recession? Mm.
1: I'm sensing your feeling on that, Bruce. I think
0: that at some point we've got to pay the piper. Yeah. And you you brought something up earlier. Credit card debt is rising. Right. In fact, for the first time in the history of this country, we topped $1 trillion in credit card debt.
1: And that's staggering. It is and staggering. And what's staggering about that as well is, and I really think there's a lag measure to this. I believe that because I think people's habits didn't slow down, but they're going to get caught in this lag of their behavior to what's they're really doing. And then they're going to look up and go, what the heck? I just even had a person here in the company, he's in his 40s. Now listen to this for a minute. He has some debt on his education. Okay. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, he had an auto pay on that. And it was only like $100 a month. Okay. They stopped taking it from him, even though he could afford to pay it. There's crazy things that happen outside of our control. But this whole credit card debt, I think there's going to be a lag measure on people waking up to realize that they should stop spending. And then again, the trickle-down effect in regards to everything else of our economy that that's going to have. The brakes might go on really fast when people realize they can't afford what they've already created.
0: Well, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode, where we'll interview Chase Craig and Brent Hansen of Livian Select with Keller Williams Realty Boise in Boise, Idaho. We'll see you next time on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Apple, Google, or Spotify, or really any major streaming platform to subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening to The Real Look.